0: Hi, and welcome to Coach's Connection with Mitchell Moore. Today we have University of South Florida head coach Erica Brennan. In her short time in Tampa, she has improved the Bulls more than 75 spots in the golf stat rankings and has the uprising rolling. We dive into recruiting, transfers, and how to keep things new and fun for your program. You'll be able to feel her excitement and just straight-up fun personality come out in the podcast. Sit back, take notes, and listen to one of the best coaches in the country. Hi, Erica. How
1: you doing? I'm good. How are you today?
0: I'm great. Thank you. Uh, everything going well in Tampa?
1: Things are awesome in Tampa. The weather's beautiful and the family time has been a nice uh, reprieve. And I think now we're just kind of ready for the green light to, to get back after it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, you said you got a a bike mount for uh, for Mother's Day and have been taking uh, taking rides around uh, Tampa and checking things out.
1: <laughs> we did. Yeah. So we've gone on so many family bike rides, but it's been a blast and it's been really cool to kind of explore the city. If anything, like I think it's fun to to use it as ideas for upcoming official and unofficial visits.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't even think about that. That's pretty cool. And uh, we have the TikTok champ here too. Uh, I've been uh, following your videos. Pretty, pretty funny. If anybody hasn't uh, checked them out, they gotta, they gotta see them.
1: (laughs) TikTok has been, uh, it has been fun. And there's, there is a learning curve. It is a very different platform. um, But trying to remember that if, if the recruits are somewhere, that's where we want to be too. Um, And so it's, it's fairly strategic, but. It's a chance, I think, to show the lighter side of myself. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've been doing uh, Instagram Lives on Friday um, with the WGCA. And one of my favorite things I've heard from you is, uh, to a certain extent, not to quote you exactly, but – you have to be yourself, um, as a coach and you can't try to emulate someone else because they could have a completely different personality than you. And I think you, uh, you hold to that to the, to the truth. And, you know, with the TikToks, it kind of shows, like you said, the lighter side of yourself. And it's just been, um, kind of fun to see that. And I loved hearing that from you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a thousand and one ways to be a successful coach, but Um, the, the key is to make sure that you're doing it in a way that aligns with your values and, and your purpose and knowing that, you know, just because you pick your head up and look around and see a lot of successful coaches, like that's wonderful, but they're doing it their way, which is why they're successful. Um, and as soon as you can get out of the comparison game, the better off, I think you'll be.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, being the social chair and doing those Instagram lives with the WGCA, which for people that don't know, that's the Women's Golf Coaches Association. Uh, what have you learned the most from those?
1: Okay, so I've I have learned <laughs> I have learned so much. And I thought that I was like, okay, I'm extroverted. Like this is going to be so easy. I'll get to interview all these wonderful people. And what I found is that like my own growth, even just in hosting, has been um, awesome. And and you have to You have to be yourself, as we've talked about, but you also have to kind of match the energy of the person that you're talking to. So for example, when I'm talking to Brett McCabe, that's a very different energy than when you're talking to Mick Potter. Um, And so I've learned that I've really embraced that challenge within myself. Uh, but the key takeaways, I think, from the, there's been a lot of continuity in themes, I think. Um, and the things that keep coming up are, are care and concern for your student athletes, first and foremost, and and kind of this, again, this idea of authenticity. And I think that it's it's paramount.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. And I've been listening to all of them and loved them so far. So it's been uh, really you. fun. If you guys haven't uh, checked it out, it's on WGCA's uh, Instagram page, um, and it's Four at Four, I believe, is what it's called. So Four at Four. Uh, nice. So a good little uh, golf uh, golf uh, thing there. So um, now getting more into the podcast, um, you started at South Florida three years ago. And um, what did you build the foundations of your program on there?
1: The, South Florida has been such a cool journey to start with. I think it's bizarre. I've, I've been there for, by calendar years, two and a half years, but have only coached one full season which is, yeah, that's like a heck of an Aflac trivia question someday, yeah. but um, they made a mid-year coaching transfer. So I, what's that?
0: I said, I'm not sure how that works. So you might have to explain. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so they, they made a mid-year coaching transfer uh, change. And so I started in January. So my first year, I only got a spring season and then um, last year got a full season. And then with, with COVID-19 did not get a full one this year. So two and a half calendar years, but only one full season. Yeah. Um, but South Florida has been a homecoming for me. It, uh, I I'm grew up an hour away in a really small town in central Florida and USF has always been a job that has been on my radar. Um, and so I, I, I tell anybody that'll listen that I'll be here as long as they'll have me and as long as I think that, that we can continue to make some changes.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And what are the kind of the foundations you built, on, uh, built your program on there?
1: I think I think first and foremost is is you can't preach authenticity as a leader and being bold and being yourself if you're not then going to encourage your student athletes to do the same. And so one thing that I think uh, is foundational to our program is you can come as you are. You um you don't have to put on airs. You don't have to be the polished and perfect you know junior golfer. You've made it through the recruiting process. Like let your hair down a little bit and be yourself. And and with that diversity we have found. That, um, you know, we, we say that that we like girls that have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Like if if, uh, if you've got something to prove, then this is your time and we are your people. And that's kind of a tagline that we use throughout the recruiting process. And I think that, you know, you, you see a lot of teams that it, it 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 appears from the outside. And of course, I'm not I'm not on the inside, but, you know, they're all very similar you know, the, the swings are very similar and, and, and sometimes they, you know, they look similar and, and it's, um, you know, again, there's, there's a million ways to do it. But what we really like and have leaned into from a like foundationally is you can come as you are and you can be exactly who you want to be. Now, we're going to encourage you to try to be the best version of yourself, um, but you, you don't have to change who you are at the core in order to, to be successful in our program.
0: That's great. That's the, you know, I think a lot of people have uh, kind of said some of the same things when it comes to that, but that's the first time I've heard that, and I really like it. Um, kind of, it is true. You know, you see so many programs and so many teams with pretty much the same kind of thing going on, the same golf swing and things. And um, the college coach I played for kind of agrees with you, and he says if we uh, see um, the golf swings on the range, we probably don't look like the best team, but when we get in and can actually score the golf ball, it's different. So um, that was really cool.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Again, there's, there's a lot of different ways to play the game. And and one thing that I love is, you know, we've got a girl on our team that is obsessed with like Batman, right? And she wears like her tall Batman socks. And, and she's so genuine, because she knows who she is. And our team is like, you are amazing. And I feel like there are places where somebody like that could get shunned, or it could be like, why are you weird? Or why are you different? And our team is like, you like Batman, like, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of our girls that that are able to to kind of, you know, own own what makes them uniquely brilliant. And it's uh, it makes for a really kind of rich tapestry uh, from a diversity standpoint.
0: Yeah. And have you ever run into issues with the uh, with the differences between the girls or have most everybody been uh, pretty, pretty awesome about um, taking everybody in?
1: I think that comes back to leadership. I mean, it's uh, it's not something that's going to happen automatically because it's not something that um. You know, you know, the, a lot of the the times in high school and middle school, and, and you know, mean girls is a real thing, and and female bullying is a real thing, um, and so sometimes you have to work to undo that. But I think if you're doing your due diligence in the recruiting process, you're gonna flesh out those kids that have it within themselves to see the best in everybody. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing the best job that you can as a coach through that process you're going to end up with the type of girls that it's not a struggle for them to go, oh, okay, that's what makes you cool. Here's what makes me cool. And that there's kind of space for everybody within their own strengths.
0: Definitely. That's, uh, that's really cool. Um, and we'll get more into recruiting later because I want to get, um, into your kind of recruiting and social media and live videos and everything, um, that you and Dalton do as coaches. But, um, you have, uh, uh, jumped uh, South Florida up 75 spots in the Stat ranking since you've been there. It might even be more now, um, according to this year. But um, you did the same thing at Southern Miss, uh, 100 spots in Golstat in two and a half years and won like six times, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. But were those foundations different at S- Southern Miss than South Florida? Or has it kind of been the same for you as a coach? And um, you can even go back in your St. Leo days. Um, have they always been the same or has it changed as you've grown as a person?
1: So one of the things that I really love is is I've had an opportunity now at three different places to take a program that I thought could excel at a higher level. Um, And I love the challenge of growing a program. I actually Mm -hmm. like that growth and development even more probably than, like, the sustainability of it. Like, I love the challenge of it's at A and we want to move it to B. So foundationally, I don't think that the strategies have changed. Um, I don't think that the core as far as, like, our values as coaches have changed, but certainly there's been growth within that. Like, I feel like I'm better at uh, expressing those ideas than I was back at St. Leo and, and really Southern Miss. But at the core, um, it's it's the same types of things. It's, it's taking what people are already bringing to the table and recognizing that you're not trying to change it. You're trying to work within the individual's framework to bring out the best of them. And I think the more as a coach that you can be a chameleon, um, and, and here's here's the tricky part with, with taking that on and being a chameleon, is if you're not an incredible communicator, people are going to see that as either inequity or, well, is she being fake over here and which one's the real one? But I think as long as you're communicating that from the outset, that like, listen, I'm not going to be the same for all of you guys. I want to be the best that I can be for each one of you. And just as you can look around the room and recognize that each one of you are different, then, you know, it should be easier for you to connect the dots of why I'm happy, go lucky and silly with this gal over here, this other gal, we're like super into stats and we're really intense. That's not, none of that is fake. I mean, if anything, as a coach, that's range. And, and if you want to, if you want to do the job and do it well, you have to have that range, but it's only going to work if you are constantly communicating that that's that's exactly what you're doing. You know, is that that is by design?
0: Absolutely. And you talked about communication. How have you in improving your communication? How have you improved your communication over the last couple of years?
1: Oh, the the I mean the the one that's right out in the open. I think is I by my nature and because I'm bubbly and because like I instinctually want everyone to like me all the time. And so, um, as a young coach, I made the mistake of seeking friendship instead of respect. Um, and that's something that I, each season that goes along, I work, I, and I have to, I have to be intentional about it, of having more of a backbone, I'll never be a hard ass. That's not me. Um, I'm I'm way more into empowerment and and positive reinforcement, but um, understanding that there are crucial conversations that have to be had. And if you've got a player that, you know, as a coaching staff, we're really pushing to let them break through and become the type of student athlete that they can be, there's going to be growing pains in that. There's going to be difficult conversations in that. Um, and something that one of my mentors uh, has said, and, and it's uh, it's our athletic director at South Florida, Michael Kelly, he says, bad news doesn't get better with time. And so my communication has improved because I've stopped putting that off and letting it become bigger than it needed to be. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's it's made me a better communicator, understanding that Really, like our student athletes, as long as you're saying it with love and empathy, they crave the truth. They don't they don't want to be glad handed. They don't want to be propped up on a pedestal constantly. They want to know, yes, here's why you think I'm awesome, but here's how I can improve. And if you're saying those things with love, then then you can get through those difficult conversations.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's great. And, you know, we actually had Sarah Dole on the podcast last time. Another US- yeah. Yeah. Um, she said the same thing about respect instead of uh, trying to be friendships. And I love that, uh, that statement. That's, uh, something I'm going to use. And, um, I think you and I are kind of the same personality with bubbly and wanting to, uh, be friends with everybody, but as a coach, it is, uh, difficult to draw that line, but you have to do so. And, um, I like what you guys have said about respect over, uh, over friendship.
1: If you get respect first, you're going to get friendship on the back end once they're an alumnus. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you get those things twisted and you go for friendship first, chances are you're not going to end up with either one at the end. And and how sad is that? You know, and that's that's something, quite frankly, that I did make that mistake, especially at St. Leo, you know, and I had to work. I had to work for years to undo that um, because culture is manifested four years at a time. Right. If if a senior if a senior sees something and they pass that down to a freshman, well, you've just inherited that for another four years. So um, certainly mistakes that I made early on and, and, probably continue to make, you know, maybe in a lesser degree as, as I improve, but, um, that's, uh, th- it's tough, right? With us people, yeah. we, we want everyone to like us and, um, that's just not reality.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we talked about, uh, moving up a hundred spots in golf stat with Southern Miss and South Florida, 75 spots. Um, it's all been quickly too, in the first year or two, um, that you've been there. What's, uh, how have you what's your key been to uh, the quick and quick success? Has it been stats, different practice plans kind of um, or just the straight culture out of the what you've built?
1: It's culture. It's culture first. I mean, that's that's the the basis of everything else. But um, there there has been a recipe and it's the same thing that we've done at St. Leo at Southern Miss and now South Florida. And that's the infusion of successful transfer student athletes. And, um, you know, from a purely strategic standpoint, what I love, love, love about transfer student athletes is, um, if you now again, you got to vet it out in the recruiting process, right? Because because a lot of transfer student athletes, you know, come with baggage or whatever the case. But sometimes it's been a misunderstanding or it just wasn't the best fit from a coach-player relationship at the previous institution. So um, when we find transfers that we believe will be great fits for our program, man, we lean into that. We we want them. Um, they're they're grateful for a fresh start. They're grateful for a new opportunity. Um, they already have the playing experience under their wings. Um, they're already a little older and a little more mature. you know, they're not they're not coming in as bright-eyed freshmen. Um, and and you can you can get off to a faster start, I think, with with the transfer student athlete. And then um, strategically from a purely coaching standpoint, if you're wanting to improve and you're wanting to improve quickly, Another great thing about transfer student athletes with with the scholarships is on the back end, you are going to have that scholarship money become available again sooner. So if you're going with transfer student athletes in the first few years of a program, that's going to allow you the time to really get in on the start of a recruiting class on June 15th and start working your way towards, you know, being able to fill your roster out with freshmen. And I, I like I like the balance. I like the balance of freshmen and transfers. And that's something that's, it's worked for us, you know, no matter where we've been.
0: Yeah. And as you go further into your career at USF, are you going to still go with those transfer student athletes or is that just at the start of your, uh, when you started a, a place?
1: When, when I, when we started a place, that's, that's kind of the strategy. But I think, you know, as you're continuing to build out the program, more sustainably, which again, I want to be at South Florida forever. So um, it's honestly, I think it's finding the best student athlete that you can get. And I'm not talking just about scores. Of course, scores matter. Like it's, it's competitive and and you want to be a staple in the postseason, which is what we're working towards. Um, But at least with us, Dalton and I, like we're never going to do that at the expense of being really great human beings and, and wanting to be surrounded by, that same energy. So as we move forward, it's not going to matter if it's a transfer or a freshman. Is it the right person for USF? Um, you know, do they fit the profile of of what we're doing from a team dynamic standpoint? And if they are, then I, I I could care less if you've got one year of eligibility left or, you know, you're coming in as a true freshman. It matters not to us only only that the fit is there and then the, the ability to achieve at a high level
0: great that's uh that's the first time we've heard about transfers on my podcast i think so that was uh that was cool <laughs> to hear about um and some of the coach, my friends that aren't coaches that uh that listen to it will love that too um because they see it from the from the basketball and football side but don't really see it too much from the uh, women's golf side so that's cool thank you um and getting more into recruiting um i love what you guys do um you guys do a great job of highlighting south florida you and dalton do a great job of highlighting your guys's self um, kind of what's the key to that? What's been, uh, you, you guys call the uprising is what you guys have called your, uh, your little hashtag kind of, uh, the social media, the live videos. Can you just kind of get into what you guys do as far as recruiting goes?
1: That first off, like I need to give Dalton a, just an insane amount of credit for that because he, uh, his ability to build relationships with, it doesn't matter who he's on the phone with, whether it's, it's a dad from, Spain, or it's a, you know, a multimillionaire donor, like Dalton is just at home speaking to a lot of different types of people. Um, and so, so communication first. Uh, and and I, I talk about this, this idea of trying to keep up with pop culture, not necessarily because it's, it's like the thing that I'm super into, but I want to be knowledgeable enough to carry a conversation so that any any recruit, like there aren't any surprises. If a recruit says, man, I'm really into Harry Potter. I'm like, awesome. What house would you get sorted into? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I'm a Ravenclaw. Like I want to have just enough um, to to catch them on their level. And and so that's the that's the communication piece. And then social media for us, like Dalton and I are both like very new school, like we, uh, we, we still do handwritten letters, we still do emails, we still do phone calls, um, you know, like, we, we're going to hit all of the bases. But social media is the great leveler. Yeah. There, there's no cost in producing social media content. So for schools that do not have power five budgets, it's a way to compete. And and that's why we lean into it so heavily. And I think I think the strategy for us is, you know, volume. There's mm-hmm. a lot of noise on social media. So if you're tweeting once a week, like nobody saw it, Um, and, And so it's volume and consistency. And if it's a platform and it's available, trying to be on it and trying to learn it and trying to leverage it.
0: Now is Dalton doing TikToks too? Because I might need to see that if he is. I
1: don't. I don't think DS is on on TikTok. Um, he he watches mine and and at least you know God love him. Uh, the the perfect assistant coach. He's like, Coach, that's great, you know. And I'm like in my mind, I'm like he does not think this is great, but um he uh, he's he's very encouraging of my uh antics. But um I think that's what makes DS so cool. And and while the the relationship amongst he and I as coaches works so well, is. He is incredibly strong in the areas that I am weak, and I, I, I mean, I hope or I think maybe vice versa. Although I don't, I don't really think he has too many weaknesses. Um, but we fill in each other's gaps, and in uh, it's a good, it's a good working relationship in that way.
0: That's awesome. And you guys started a live video. First time I've seen this really in the recruiting side. Um, every it might be Wednesday, Tuesday. I'm not sure which day it is. Sorry. Um, but yeah uh, a live video kind of going over what your guys' program is and kind of like a i guess a i don't can you explain what you guys talk about kind of what you guys yeah. do as far as that goes
1: sure so it uh, every thursday at noon we we do an instagram live show called making the turn and it's uh it's simple you know we we got our we got one you know one graphic and so we we post that each week and it's it's ds and i we jump on instagram live and 20 or 30 minutes we just talk about the program and it's totally unscripted we by design do not chat with each other before we hit live um, because we want it to be super casual super off the cuff but hopefully relatable Um, and hopefully it shows that he and I are approachable and hopefully it shows how much we love our student athletes and how much we love South Florida because Uh, That's the truth. Um, And so we're hoping that that comes across. But it's an opportunity for from a recruiting standpoint, you know, prospects watch that. Parents watch it. Um, You're able to archive it for 24 hours. So even if the people don't catch it live, they they can still watch it for the next day. And we try to highlight people on the current team and and talk about what they've been up to and, and certainly hit on athletic or I'm sorry, academics. Um, if we get, if we get boosters and stuff like that, that come in, you know, we make sure we're, we're trying to give a lot of shout outs. Um, of course within compliance, you can't shout out prospects or anything like that. So you got to be careful, but, um, and then we give people a chance to ask us questions so they can type whatever they want. And we try to be as transparent as we can possibly be within the compliance legislation. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just casual. It's just like, uh, we, we've had people say that it feels like, they're just in my office, getting to overhear, you know, a conversation between DS and I, and and that's exactly what we're wanting it to be, and it's uh it's been good. We've got some good feedback from it.
0: Yeah, it's cool, and it's something new that uh you haven't really seen in the recruiting space, which is really cool. And I thought it was uh it was just fun to uh to kind of listen to and uh, maybe steal a little bit of an idea too. So <laughs>
1: please steal like an artist. Every, I mean, that's I think that's like the really cool thing about it is if you are self-confident as a coach, then you realize that the reason why you are where you are is because you emulated people that came before you. And so like we, DS and I say like, it, nothing would make us happier than to see another program doing like their version of making the turn. Cause that means they thought it was a really cool idea. So steal it. Like that's, that's what it is, is, is if it's out there, take it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what's so fun about the women's golf coaches community, too, is everyone's so willing to share their ideas and want um, truly better for that student athletes than anything. And that's uh, it's obviously we're all competitive and want to win. But that's the uh, the fun part about, uh, I think, being in the women's golf uh, space, too.
1: Yeah. The community of coaches in our sport, man, like how blessed are we? Um, and, And the cool thing, I think, is you remember the coaches that like put you on. You know, like, I'll never forget being at St. Leo. And, and I emailed Amy Bond to, to ask a question. And I mean, within minutes, she replies back to the email. And she's like, what's your phone number? And I'm getting a call from Amy Bond. And like, I remember and I tell her this now, she and I are friends. Right. And uh, and she laughs about it. And she's like, there's no way. E. And I'm like, oh, yes, way. Like I was starstruck. I was like, Amy Bond just called me, you know, And Therese Hessian at Ohio State. is, is She'll share with you whatever knowledge she's got. She's like, yep, I, I'll share with you. Um, same thing I emailed Dan Brooks way back at St leo and and he and I exchanged emails you know daily for for weeks on end and those are the the coaches that you have tremendous respect for um and, and hopefully you know as the next generation kind of ascends to to positions of respect and, and things like that I, I hope that we will send the elevator back down to get the next coaches and bring them up the same way that that we were brought up
0: Definitely. And, you know, I was going to I usually get to this at the end, but we're kind of on it now. Um, what's your advice for young coaches in the uh, in the coaching space and um, how to improve and how to get to where you are and be as successful as you've been?
1: Um, thank you. Uh, the, the, you have to you have to know who you are. And as soon as as soon as you learn who you are and understand that fully man like life, life and doors will continually be opened, uh, for you. And if you don't, if you don't take the time to do that, and I'm talking about, men, like you got to look in the, in the dirty cobwebbed corners too, right? Like it's not all rainbows and unicorns. Like you got to be willing to do the dirty work of figuring out what your weaknesses are. and, and, What does, you know, get jealousy going for you and and what does comparison look like? And I think first and foremost, you've got to be able to be introspective enough to realize what makes you you. And once you do that, like you can do this job like it's you got to care. You got to care more than more than anybody else. And you got to encourage all the people around you to care to the level that, that you're living at and uh, then you you got to lean out and and, like lean on veteran coaches that's why they're successful that's why um you know they they've been staples and most of those coaches are willing to share and they're they're not trying to you know collect all the secrets they they want to share and want to do that so first off you got to know who you are you got to do that dirty work and then man like every day is an opportunity to learn. Like, don't let a day go by that you haven't learned something that's going to make you better.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's great. Thank you. And you started your own podcast, um, Leading Beyond Sport. And actually, um, before, when I was at Cleveland State, one of my buddies uh, sent me Mike McGraw's interview with you. And it was uh, pretty awesome. And that's how I kind of learned about you and and everything. And um, what's been your... um, favorite part about starting a podcast and what have you learned most from that?
1: So I'm a nerd first and foremost, like my nerdness knows no limits. And so anytime there's an opportunity to chase something new down a rabbit hole, like I got to do it. And so a podcast was so foreign, but I remember like I loved listening to other podcasts and I enjoyed interviews and, and learning in that space. And so I was like, well, I wonder if I could do that. Um, and, and I like to think that I love to write too. Um, but sometimes with writing, I don't feel like my personality comes through as much. Whereas like, if I can speak, like maybe you can hear, you know, empathy or happiness in my voice. Uh, and, and so I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to take on this podcast thing. And it was cool, right? You have to learn how to edit audio and, and all of a sudden you're researching microphone equipment. And, and again, I think it just speaks to the nerdy side of me, but, um, that show, has been so much fun because I feel like in real time I'm getting to be a student. And I think when you're hosting, you realize very quickly that it's not about you. Um, And in the amount of times that I've through the editing process, like been taking notes feverishly, you know, with the amount of wisdom that's been shared um, and Mike McGraw, man, he's head and shoulder like he's I feel like like my one of my penultimate folks because I could have talked to him for eight hours. I mean, he just is a wealth of knowledge um, and just so genuine. Right. Like you can hear it in his voice like that, man. He is special. And, and what he's done at Oklahoma State and Baylor, man, like it's it's no surprise because yeah. that's who he
0: is. Definitely. And now you've kind of uh, changed and you are kind of you're hosting it and giving your own thoughts on things, which I've really enjoyed listening to, too. Um, Has that been difficult kind of being without anybody? It's just you kind of talking. Has that been difficult?
1: Oh, the first time I tried to record one of those, like it's so laughable. I, I, I saved I saved the clip and I should upload it at some point because. It's weird because you're just talking into a vacuum, right? You have no you have no energy to feed off of other than yourself. Um, and the first time that I did that, it was a total disaster. And, uh, you know, you're, you're constantly worried. Are you just rambling? Are you actually sharing something that you think somebody would enjoy? But um, the other thing with, with having a couple of episodes where it's not an interview that I've struggled with is, does anybody want to listen to my ideas? You know, like you, you kind of, when you're interviewing other people, I don't want to say you can hide behind that, but like there is some safety in knowing that it's not on you to provide value. Um, And, and so the episodes that I've done where it's just me speaking, man, there's nowhere to hide. It's, it's, uh, you're, you're out there uh, braving the wilderness as Brene Brown would say. Um, And I've gotten, I've gotten some nice feedback from those episodes too. So I, I'm, I need to be more consistent with that, but it's my own insecurity that's like, Ooh, maybe I should just interview, you know, like I need to interview other people because so many more people know more stuff than I do. Um, and so it's a weird, it's kind of a weird play that that's always going on inside my head to, I don't know. It's just, that's one of my own insecurities, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think everybody loves learning from you and, uh, you can just feel the passion and the, the fun you bring to everything you do, I think, which is always, uh, Fun to uh, to listen to, and um, we've been going for about thirty minutes. You have a couple more minutes where I can ask a couple more questions for you.
1: Yeah, whatever you got. You're uh, you're kind, and I appreciate the the sentiment.
0: Absolutely. Um. So, what's the uh, what's the reason you coach? Kind of why? What's your goal in your career as a coach?
1: I coach for a very simple reason. I was not the model student athlete. Um. I uh, I was not the best teammate, quite frankly, and um. I was selfish and. Um, I coach because I want to help young people get the lessons quicker than I did. And I want to help be a catalyst for them understanding that, like, they don't have to play it the way that I did. And, and if I could go back and and do my years at Western Carolina differently, like I would, I would be a different student athlete today, um, you know, based on that, but, um, I'm not going to say that it's a regret because I don't, I think, you know, everything is an opportunity to learn. And I don't think that I would be the same type of coach had I not, you know, been able to build off of that experience as a student athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, But I coach because I want young people to realize that they are freaking awesome if they will just step into that role, um, and that's what I want to help do is I want to help get them to the stage and pull back the curtain and be like stand there in all your glory because you're you're awesome.
0: And what's something you wish you would have known at Western uh, Carolina as a player that you uh, think would have been better that you know now as a coach?
1: Um, I think I think that I was not. I was not willing to confront my own insecurities and my own weaknesses very well. And so then like, you know, you would posture, right. Or you'd kind of peacock to, to hide those flaws. And, um, I, uh, I would be, I would be tremendously more dedicated to the craft of becoming a better golfer. Um, I, I do think that I was probably a better teammate than I was like, I was not the workhorse, right? Like I, I, um, I I did what was expected, um, but I was not the one out there burning the midnight oil. And again, if I could go back and do that, I would realize that doing the bare minimum is the price of admission. That's every D1 athlete everywhere. And if you want to separate yourself, you've got to be willing to, I mean, it comes down to sacrifice, right? Like it's not enough to, to say that you're passionate and that you work hard. Everybody's passionate and everybody's working hard. What are you prepared to sacrifice that the next young person isn't? Yeah. And and I think that as a coach that that has permeated itself so completely into my coaching philosophy and coaching style. Um, I coach for the people that were the me back yeah. then. You know what I mean? Like I want I want them to I want them to get the lessons quicker than I did.
0: Yeah. And how do you go about motivating those people that aren't. Uh- Working the midnight oil is or putting in the bare minimum of you said as you said.
1: transparency. like I think I think sometimes coaches we we get into this trap that as a coach, we're supposed to be up on a pedestal and we're supposed to be, you know the perfect role model and the perfect representation of what it is. But I think if anything, like I've learned that the people that I have the most respect for are the people that are the most transparent and the people that are the most vulnerable. Um, and so, in our leadership style, ds and I both, we're not afraid to tell the stories of you know those situations, and I think the more that student athletes can see themselves in you, um, the more they're they're willing to run through a wall for the program. And so you know, I what I what I don't think you should do as a coach is say, you know, I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. You don't have a clue how they feel. You yeah. know how you would feel in that situation, but you've you've got years and years worth of experience on them that they don't currently have. So I think as coaches, like we can never minimize how somebody is feeling about it, a, like a, about a situation because that's our perception and that's how we're looking at it. Um and, and the more that you can meet people where they are and, and you know, when somebody is crying after a bad round, like, I, you know, like, oh, there's no crying in golf. Well Well, there is. If, if that's, I mean, to me, all emotions are valid, right? So if if that's how you're choosing to to express the fact that you're sad, um, I think a lot of times with females, though, like, and this is really important, I think, for male coaches to understand is, if women are crying, usually, it's not sadness, it's anger, yeah. is what it is, you know, it's fiery anger, and that comes out as tears. Um, and so I'm okay, I'm okay with with tears, occasionally, and, and I'm okay with, with the emotions that that players want to show as, as they're kind of processing through what's happening. But um, man, you just, you got to meet them where they are and you got to not be holier than thou. You got to not be afraid to, to kind of share your insecurities and your messy middle. And uh, that authenticity and transparency, I hope
0: translates. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like you said, transparency and it comes down to uh, not being insecure too, right? So if you're able to tell your student athletes what, what you've done in your life that you think they can improve on. That's uh, that's awesome. So, and my final question for, uh, for you, um, I started this podcast to highlight women's golf coaches. Um, I've learned from so many and been so lucky and I feel like they're every, podcast I listen to is always a men's coach so it's been great to kind of highlight the uh, the women's side of things and I'm also on a quest to uh, find out what separates the best coaches from the rest so in your opinion what do you think that separates the best coaches from the ones that aren't as successful uh,
1: the ones that that like I alluded to earlier the ones that are willing to go inside themselves and do the dirty messy work of figuring out who they are and and once again once you're willing to do that and once you're kind of willing to to go, okay, the, these are my insecurities and these are my weaknesses. If the more you parade them out there for other people to see, the less power they have, right? Like they don't they don't have to cripple you, they don't have to to dominate you anymore. The more you're willing to to just state them matter-of-factly, and the best coaches out there are the ones that are uniquely brilliant in their own ways, and the ones that realize that they. Can pick bits and pieces like a buffet from a lot of different other people that have been successful, but that they're always going to put their own spice on it at the end. Yeah,
0: that's that's great. And um, Erica, I appreciate you coming on. Um, if I can't wait for people to listen to this. Um, like I said, the passion and the fun that you bring to uh, to coaching and golf is is special, and um, the bright ideas and um, the the keeping things new is, uh, is fun to listen to. And um, you guys have a incredible campus at USF and Tampa is going to be a spot that a lot of people want to come and you guys are going to be super successful in the next uh, coming years and um, continuing to improve your program. So thank you so much. It's been so fun to learn and um, hope to do it sometime soon.
1: Thank you for having me on. This has been a delight and an honor for me. And I'm, uh, I'm grateful that you thought of me. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day.
1: All right. Appreciate it. Take care.
0: Bye.